Uh, good evening, everybody. Now, I can um, honestly put up my hand and say this is my first time here at a uh, late-night service. So I'm kind of new to this. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Jeff Taylor, and Wayne's retired. So I'm holding the fort to speak until uh, a new minister comes. So that's how I fit into this, and uh, it's a joy to be here. And I want to say there's faces here I recognise and there's faces I don't recognise, but it's wonderful to have you. And if I don't recognise your face, you don't recognise mine, please come and say hello on the way out. That'd be terrific. So could we bow our heads, please? Almighty well, Lord, we come before you humbly, Lord, to celebrate the, son of the birth of your son, Jesus. We come before you humbly to hear what you would have to say for us, that we may draw ever closer to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I've called tonight's um, message a tale of Christian blind, a Christmas blindness. So I wanted to tell you about two men. Now, men see their wives through red or rose-coloured glasses. Now, if you're a wife, you don't check up with your husband on what coloured glasses he's got on, or at least not during the service, please. Now, the first man saw his wife as less than himself, foolish man. He saw his wife as lazy, complaining, unattractive, self-negligent, spendthrift and untidy. Now, it's not, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out that that was going to finish in a divorce court, that marriage. Now, the second man. The second man was a bit smarter. He saw his wife as greater than himself. He saw his wife as a willing worker, uh, an affirming, attractive, self-disciplined lady, a uh, great housekeeper, great mum, great carer. Now, that marriage finished in success, as you'd guess. But here's a note to these uh, two men. Both men had been married to the same woman. So how do we explain that? I think the point of this is that the differences in her marriages was one man searched for bad while the others sought out good. Only one was a wise man because we each get what we search for. Now, I've done a lot of bike riding in my life and I know if I'm riding my motorbike and there's a pothole in the road and I'm trying to avoid it by looking at it, I'm going to go in that pothole. It's, it's Murphy's Law. got a friend who uh, had his uh, daughter down at the snow with him and she was about eight or nine or ten, enough to be quite sensible. There's a big rock in the middle of this slope. She was uh, going down on a toboggan. Now, this, this is a jindabine. Sorry, not jindabine, it's holes. And there's a mountain of space around that rock that she could potentially hit. But what did she do? She hit the rock. Why? Because that's where she kept her eyes. She kept her eyes on that rock and therefore unwittingly steered, as I did on my bike, to potholes. Because when we go looking for something, we're going to get what we search for. Now, we know in the story that, uh, that we've been told that 
In Matthew's Gospel, there are magi that go searching for Jesus. The shepherds go searching for Jesus. In fact, the search for Jesus cannot wait. All types of people search for Jesus, even kings. And they've been searching for him since he was born. Now, you can expect to find him, and you can expect that these people found Jesus. Why? Because they kept searching. Their eyes were on meeting this babe. Now, the Magi that went walking for seeking Jesus, the historical, historians tell me that that trek took two years and it was no obstacle to them to walk two years till they found the baby Jesus. They put aside the distractions and they kept going till they found the good Lord. Now, for the Magi... There is no obstacle too big or too hard to keep you from finding Jesus. Now, if you know your ancient Near East, these magi, these kings probably came from Babylon, Iran, Iraq, somewhere over there. And now we're heading uh, west till they got to the, to the, to the land of uh, the Jews, the Israelites. So no, no obstacle was too big, too hard to keep them from finding Jesus. So in the search for Jesus, we need to exercise some care and some diligence or we don't find him. George Harrison said, now, I think all of us here are old enough to remember George Harrison or if you're not, you would have heard the name of the Beatles fame. He said, this is true, he said this on his deathbed. I think he died about 1999, did he? Anybody correct that? Thanks, Ray. Everything in life can wait, but the search for God cannot. Now, George Harrison was a man that certainly had a lot of experience in uh, Indian spirituality. He's certainly a man of mega wealth, mega fame, and he still has that nowadays that I can talk about him. He literally had all that this world could offer. And on his deathbed, he realised that the things he'd searched for should have been put aside, that he needed to search for God. Now, I think that's a pretty deep sort of comment from a man of such fame and of such opportunity for indulgence, which he'd done. Nevertheless, he now knows he's going to meet his maker. So the search for Jesus cannot wait because we don't know when we will meet him. Whether we meet him as friend or foe, we just don't know. So the time is to get hard with ourselves and be like the Magi, be like the shepherds and focus on finding our God, finding our good Lord Jesus. See, Jesus is not hiding. He wants to be found. The Magi had a star in the sky guiding them to where Jesus was to be found. Search for good like the second husband did because good is easy to find. Good's there for those people who want to see it. Obviously, the first husband didn't want to see it, but the second husband did. So it's easy to search for good. Now, the angels, the shepherds on the hill rather, they had angels surrounding them and those angels were singing songs about this baby in praise. Now, between the angels in the sky, the star in the sky, Jesus was 
God the Father was wanting his son, Jesus, to be found. He's not hiding. He made it possible for all of us to find him. And I reckon, I truly do reckon, that sometimes hardship is one of the best lights to draw us to the Lord. Because in times of hardship, people have only got two decisions to make. They're going to flee to the Lord or flee from the Lord. Now, a lot of people flee from the Lord, but it doesn't get better. But when you free, flee to the Lord, you've got comfort, support and answers. You still might have pain, but you're in a far better position until that pain uh, dissipates. So hardships are one of God's signs that he uses in our, all our lives to walk to him, to face him. Because there are things in this life we can't do. Things in this life science can't solve. Things in this life that doctors can't fix. But there is somebody up there that can. It's a magnet. Hardships are a star or a magnet that we go looking for Jesus. Of course, he wants to be found. And that was clear as, as, um, as the night sky. There's the stars in it. that He wanted to be found at that first at his birth. So there's a small star that shines in darkness pointing to another very, uh, another very small star that breathes as the Magi crossed the sands and the hillsides looking for this babe that was just born. He was a star. He was going to grow to be the biggest star, wasn't he? The star above all stars. But he was very small and they went from one star to find the best star. So in searching for Jesus... I need to follow the lights I have been given and receive him happily. Now, there's no record. I, I, don't, I don't know, but I don't reckon that the Magi would have complained about the star they were given. That star was sufficient. That star's going to get us where we want to go. So they followed this star. That was the star they had been given. So they received that star agreed with it, and they received Jesus happily. In fact, they worshipped him. They gave him a presence, gave him gifts. So in searching for Jesus, look at the things in your life that are going to say, that can take me to the throne of grace. That can take me, place me on my knees. That can take me to the point of uh, catharsis. That can take me to the point of forgiveness. Whatever the thing is that's yearning in your soul, that's the light that the Lord's giving you so that you can find Jesus. Now, it is no surprise, this is just a little aside, the, the good Lord created the world. There was, the world was created by the word of God. It is of no surprise that the same hands that flung the stars into space are also pointing to he who made them. That makes sense, doesn't it? Exact sense, it's the way it should be. So Jesus begs a question, which Christmas asks each year. Who is he who will devote himself to come close to me? For the world, as indeed the first husband, is still blind to Jesus. Jesus' name still gets used as a swear word. Jesus is still um, disbelieved. I heard on the radio this afternoon, on 702, there was a, a journalist, a radio reporter, a representative, a female actually, a representative of Islam, and a Jew. And they're all talking about Jesus. There's a discussion about what the, 
what the Jews believe about Jesus, Jesus, the Muslims believe about Jesus, and the uh, interviewer was just shooting questions at them. Now, I can give you the tip. Neither of them had the sight of Jesus. Their description of Jesus, their description of how they read the Old Testament, their description of Jesus in the Old Testament, they don't believe in the New Testament, so they can't even mention that, was wrong. The world is still blind to Jesus because they are looking for a good man. They are looking for a prophet. They are looking for someone that's got nice values and teaches upright moral things. But they're not looking for the Son of God. They're not looking for the forgiveness of sins. They're not looking for the Messiah, the sent one who came down from heaven that the good Lord sent to rescue us. They are not looking for him. So they only find the Jesus they're looking for. And Jesus asked that question, who is he who will devote himself to come close to me? Jesus asks no more than he gave because he came down here to earth to come close to us. Now I want to just make this reflection. Each one of us here tonight, each one of us in this world, mightn't see it in his terms, each one of us is an innkeeper who decides if Jesus is, who decides if there is room for Jesus. Just like the innkeeper when Mary was to have the babe, each one of us is an innkeeper who decides if there is room for Jesus. So let's tie this together. Will you too search for Jesus this Christmas? Will you consider putting Jesus in your life? or letting Jesus closer into your life. Now, there's a man in England. He's an evangelist. His name's J. John. It's an unusual name, isn't it? Because I would have thought John would have been first. But it's not. J. John. That's his name. He wrote this little quote. God could not have made himself bigger to impress us, so he made himself smaller to attract us. God couldn't have made himself bigger to impress us, so he made himself smaller to attract us. Because Jesus wants to be found. God wants Jesus to be found. Jesus was born as a babe, and babes are always attractive, aren't they? Now, I want, I want to pray a prayer. And if you'd uh, like to pray this prayer after me, about, so I want Jesus in my life, I want forgiveness for my sins, and I thank you, Jesus, that I can learn about you tonight. It's going to be a little prayer like that. You just whisper it in your own hearts, please. And, uh, and that's you chasing Jesus. That's you finding the forgiveness of sins. That's you doing what the Magi did, what the angels did, and that's what the shepherds did on the hill, going to Jesus. So let's bow our heads. Jesus... We thank you that you have made yourself easy to be found and I want to find you this evening. Jesus, I come to you to ask for forgiveness of my sins. Jesus, I come to you to say thank you for what you did for me in coming to this earth. And I thank you, Lord, that I am with you now. Amen.